0: Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we meet the newest member of the Winnipeg Jets. Jordy Ben calls in from his place in BC. He's not here yet. He'll be here soon. And we'll also talk to Bob Roofing about the 2021 class of inductees into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, as well as all the anxiety right now over the CFL, both this year and going forward, the XFL, and then we're gonna have a season, all these things coming up on the podcast. Right now, we want to welcome in the newest member of the Winnipeg Jets to the show, Jordy Ben. Jordy, how are you doing tonight?
1: Hey, doing good. Doing good. What's going on?
0: Not much. Thanks for coming on the show. How does it feel to uh, to be traded at the deadline to a team that's a lot more likely to be going to the playoffs than your former team in Vancouver?
1: Uh, it's exciting. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things uh, when you get to this point in the career, you, you want a chance to win the cup. And, um you know, Winnipeg has a, has a pretty good team uh, up and down the lineup. So I think we have a good chance to make the playoffs and and do something special.
0: Have you had any conversations yet with uh, the coach or the GM here about what your role on the team might be?
1: Uh, No, not yet. Just brief stuff, obviously. Just, uh, just saying hello. Um, You know, I'm, uh, I'm getting there on Thursday, so I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll go over a lot in a short amount of time, but just for now, it's just been uh, hello and, and uh, welcome to the team.
0: So what do you have to do between now and Thursday?
1: I have to get a family organized, uh, pack up my place in Vancouver, going to ship all the nice clothes back to Dallas where we have a house because we won't need it in that beautiful weather we have in Winnipeg right now. <laughs> um, and then uh, just get on a flight and rock and roll.
0: So the how many uh, people are in your house right now?
1: Uh, just uh, two dogs, myself, my fiance, and uh, we have an eight-month-old daughter.
0: Okay, so is that uh, a tall ass to pack it all up in two days, or do you feel confident in your abilities?
1: Oh, yeah. We're, uh, we did a bunch yesterday and today. We're, uh, we just got little things left, do a little bit of cleaning, and we're good to go.
0: Now, you're traded as well at the deadline a few years ago from Dallas to Montreal. Is this experience a little different than that one?
1: Sorry, I didn't hear that. What was that?
0: You were traded during the season from uh, Dallas to Montreal uh, back in 2016-17. How is this experience different than than that trading experience?
1: Uh, that, one, that one, I was out of the house in about 45 minutes to an hour. I packed a bag and I got a call. And about an hour later, I was on a plane and off to Montreal. And I played the next night. So... Um, to have a family now and in a bit of a different situation and to have just a you know a couple days uh because of the quarantine here in vancouver um it's kind of nice just to be able to take days and and get ready
0: so you're from bc you didn't spend a a ton of time in the canucks organization uh, because last season was a, a shorter one and same with this one but was it what was it like playing for the team closest to your hometown of victoria
1: Hey, it was pretty cool, you know. You got—I have a lot of friends here in Vancouver, and then obviously I'm—I'm I'm from the island uh, just across the water here. So um, it was nice to have family close. Uh, my sister's got a couple kids, so it was nice to see them and watch them grow up a little bit. But you know, this is uh, the, the business side of things, and it's on to new adventures and uh, some exciting hockey in Winnipeg.
0: Just doing the math, you said you had an eight-month-old, so that means your child was born during the pandemic, then.
1: Yeah, last year uh, I came to Vancouver and quarantined for four days during the camp, but just before the bubble. And then I left Vancouver to fly back to Dallas. Uh, Billy was born, my daughter, and then I flew three days after she was born. I flew from Dallas to Edmonton, quarantined for four more days, skated, and then played in the playoffs there.
0: So a busy time for you then.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a lot of quarantining. And uh, it's been very busy, but it's fun.
0: Ed, speaking of quarantine, obviously the last few weeks in Vancouver uh, has been tough for your now former teammates. What was that experience like to be inside of that chaotic situation?
1: Yeah, you know, it was pretty crazy. We uh, a couple guys went down, uh, a couple guys went down early, and we didn't really think any too much of it. Um, you know, it was just one of those things. It was bound to, it, it feels like it was just bound to happen. Someone was going to go down and, and then a couple days later, 11 guys in one day went down. So, I mean, it was pretty crazy. Everybody got thrown into quarantine and, um, I mean, there wasn't really much panicking going on, but it kind of felt that way with, uh, with everybody dropping. So, I mean, it was a pretty crazy experience.
0: Now you played many years with your brother in Dallas. I'm curious, because there aren't, you know, a ton of siblings in the NHL, is it more fun to play with him or against him?
1: I would definitely say it's more fun to play with him. Um, you know, you you don't really want to get on his, on his bad side when you're playing against him. And, uh, you know, when he's on your side and, and he gets mad, it's kind of funny to watch him play. So it's definitely more, it's more fun to, to be on his side and on his team.
0: Now, you haven't played him too often in your NHL career, but the uh is it a challenge in the corners did you have any t- uh, fun moments with him during the game that he ribbed you about after the game
1: no we're just uh we joke around quite a bit out there um you know definitely uh when he has the chance to hit me or i have the chance to hit him we're gonna do it but uh it's just nice it's fun brotherly banter
0: so your number with the winnipeg jets is number 40 any specific reason for that
1: no, not really. Um, you know, it's just uh, I got a bunch of numbers to choose from. Um, um, you know, maybe I'll play like Elias Pettersson now that I have 40. I don't know. <laughs> no, there's no real no real reason behind it. it was just it kind of I just picked it just because.
0: I, I just looked it up in the history of the uh, Jets 2.0. Luke Sellers in 2002 with the Thrashers, Devin Sedoguchi, and Yoel Armia or the three players to have worn 40 so there you go you're you're joining that list uh did you, you when you're in the nhl are you following what other teams are doing in the event that you might get traded someday like do you have a scouting report on the winnipeg jets now that you're joining them
1: uh you know i i don't, didn't really follow them that much obviously when you're in this division this year you're going to follow them a little bit closer but I mean, you play against these guys enough, you, you get to know their tendencies on the ice. But obviously, I don't know them very well off the ice. I've played with Beaulieu and, and Thompson in uh, Montreal, so I know them quite a bit. But uh, other than that, I'm not really one to, to follow too many teams. But now that I'm traded, I'm definitely uh, doing my research on the boys.
0: Now you mentioned in your uh, media availability earlier, it was actually Thompson that broke the news to you that you're being traded.
1: Yeah, he texted me Benny with uh, three jet emojis, and uh, obviously I was watching the ticker and watching it on the TV there. And I texted him back. I just said, "Oh, you uh, hear something that I don't know? I haven't got a call, or no one's told me anything here." And he just said, uh, "We had, we kind of had some funny comments towards each other and." I just said, I guess we'll wait and see. And then probably 15, 20 minutes later, you popped up on the TV, and that's how I found out. So
0: did, were you watching the TV because you figured you might be traded, or is that just something you do <laughs> on trade deadline day?
1: No, it's, no, obviously there was rumblings going around that maybe I was going to get traded. Um, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot of guys that uh, just put it on the TV. It's, it's entertaining for us to watch and to see where guys go and see what happens.
0: This unique NHL season, Jordy, where there is going to be a Canadian team guaranteed in the final four, how much do you think that changes the intensity of of the first couple rounds of the playoffs, or does it?
1: I don't think it'll change anything. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's one hockey team going against another hockey team. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be uh, it's going to be NHL playoff hockey like you normally see. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Now, outside of playing games as a visitor in Winnipeg, have you spent much time actually out about in the city in your life?
1: I haven't spent much time. No, I went. uh, I was there one summer for Cody Eakin's wedding, so I haven't seen. Other than seeing the snow in the winter and playing against Winnipeg, I have. I haven't. Other than uh, Cody Eakin's wedding in the summer, and it was actually really nice.
0: Yeah, exactly. It actually can be nice here, despite the fact that if I look outside my window right now, there's about six inches of snow building up on the balcony, and it is still snowing right now. So I don't know what it's like in Vancouver, but it's almost like it couldn't be more stereotypical for your arrival here.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what what hockey's all about. It's cold, it's winter, it's, it's a hockey town, and I'm excited to come
0: it's april 13th but yeah i mean the playoffs would normally be starting around this time and when we'd be making all the whiteout jokes because it's actually snowing but i'll let you go jordy appreciate your time thanks for this and uh we'll see you in winnipeg real soon
1: awesome thank you i'll talk to you later
0: it's been some time since we've had our next guest on the show because there really hasn't been a lot of cfl to talk about and I guess there really still isn't, and that's part of the problem. As we welcome in Bob Irving to the show, Bob,
2: how you doing? I'm doing well, Christian. I've been waiting to hear from you these low these many weeks, and you know I can't discuss other items other than the CFL. I know. I just, I just want to throw that out there. You know.
0: I know you're on the start every Monday morning and you yeah. know, that's one hit. I don't want to b- bother you too much. This is your off season, but I guess you can't go cruising right now. That's like no. the last place anyone wants to be is on a cruise ship. But, uh, just, I guess the news of the day is the uh, Hall of Famers announced for the class of 2021. Your thoughts on the, the pretty, uh, de- decorated crew.
2: Well, I think it's an outstanding group, and I, you know, I'm on the Hall of Fame selection committee, so we should put that out there right off the top. But I think those of us who are on the committee are all very proud of the individuals, the seven individuals we put in this year. I can maybe run them down quickly for you, Christian, for those who haven't heard or want to know a little bit more about them. Uh, five players, Will Johnson. Uh, he played nine years, most of them with Calgary in the '90s. He was a defensive end, a five-time All Canadian, had 99 sacks in 132 games. Uh, he was a real strong pass rusher and a a real tough guy. Uh, Mike Walker, a defensive tackle, played ten years, most of it in Hamilton in the '80s. Three-time All Canadian, 95 and a half sacks. And boy, he's one of the players who, in my years covering the league, and they date back to the early 70s, he always stood out for you. And he was one of those guys who played that defensive tackle spot, Christian, and often didn't get a lot of the glory. As a matter of fact, Grover Covington, one of the all-time great sack artists in the Canadian Football League, played defensive end alongside Mike Walker, And he will tell you that Mike Walker is the guy who helped make it possible for him to get all those sacks. So Walker was a real beast at defensive tackle. Nick Lewis, 14 seasons, 12 of them in Calgary, all-time leading receiver in CFL history, 1,051 catches, 13,778 yards. He had 10,000-yard seasons, and he was kind of an oddball as far as CFL receivers go because he was about 5'10", and depending on the season, anywhere from 230 to 270 pounds. Uh, Nick would often <laughs> play a, a little guy. bit on the heavy side. <laughs> but nobody wanted to tackle him, and he had this he had great athletic ability, even when he was a little heavy. Uh, he could run, and he was very agile, and just a great, big, powerful guy. And when he caught the ball, like I say, some of those little DBs wanted nothing to do with him, and he was a real character on top of it, but just a great, great player. Orlando Steinauer, the current head coach of Hamilton, 13 seasons, a defensive back, eight in Toronto, uh, some with Hamilton in Ottawa. The thing about Steinauer is he played everywhere. He played halfback, he played the corner, he played safeties, five-time All-Canadian Second all-time in interception return yards. And a great leader from those who played with him. One of those people is Michael O'Shea. And then Don Wilson, big, bruising defensive back. He played 12 seasons, Edmonton, Toronto, B.C., four-time All-Canadian. Had 61 interceptions, which is fifth all-time. And he was a big, strong guy who'd come up and really hit you, unlike most defensive backs. So those are the five players. And I watched them all. Uh, during my years covering the league and they're all just quality quality players christian and then the builders were doug mitchell who was the cfl commissioner from 84 to 88 and doug uh, you know made his mark as the commissioner but he's just as well known for all the work he did for amateur football he created the youth sports athlete of the year awards Uh, he's in the alberta sports hall of fame the canada sports hall of fame he's a member of the order of canada And I know Doug would take just as much pride in what he's done for uh, college football and amateur football and amateur sports in general as he would for being the commissioner of the CFL. And then Marv Levy, kind of a name from the past. And you'd have to go back a ways to understand what Marv contributed to the Canadian Football League. He was coach of the Alouettes only for five years, 74 to 78, but they won two Grey Cups. And Marv was a real offensive innovator. He did some things, very cerebral guy that were unique to the CFL at that time, and it it was quickly, quickly noticed by the NFL and went on to coach Buffalo Christian, as you well know, and had great success there. He's only the third person named to both the Canadian Football Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. The other two are Warren Moon and a fellow named Bud Grant. So there's the seven, and really a quality, quality group, if I do say so myself.
0: All right, Bob, so that is the past and time now for the present and future of the CFL. I haven't waded into the discourse online, I'll be honest, because I find it exhausting and maybe lacking substance. But this is my read on the situation. Tell me if I'm wrong. We were all in agreement the CFL needed to examine its business model. We knew that before 2021. And so when this XFL thing was announced out of seemingly nowhere, everyone started rushing to figure out what it meant. And when you've got nothing else to talk about, if you're a CFL fan, you drive yourself crazy wondering what all this could mean because when you're alone with your thoughts, crazy things happen. And since we don't know when the season will start, it's been so long since games have happened. There's just a lot of anxiety amidst all the uncertainty. Am I on the right track, Bob?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think you got, uh, you got it going in the right direction. Uh, I don't know. In terms of what's happening today, uh, I can't tell you any more than than you know because the CFL still doesn't know uh, when it's going to play in 2021. I'm convinced it is, but COVID will dictate that. The number of vaccinations people get will dictate that, and uh, that's a day-to-day thing. I would say there's very little chance they'll start the season on time. That would be my sense, anyway, I'll be shocked if they open training camp in mid-May, pardon me, and uh, the bombers play their first preseason game, May 28th. I just don't see that happening any way, shape or form. Now, if they get started in July, maybe even early August, uh, and even if they have to play fewer games, those things are all on the table, Christian, and they have been for quite a while. And I know people want clarity, but it's hard to provide clarity, never mind just for the CFL, but for anybody who's planning anything, whether it's concerts or cruises or anything, it's hard to provide clarity until we find out more about where COVID is headed. So that's kind of where the CFL stands. As far as the XFL is concerned, I think you know where I stand on that. I've been very involved in the, in the banter on Twitter. There hasn't been a lot of reporting. Uh, In traditional media, in the newspapers or on television or radio, about this uh, discussion between the CFL and the XFL. Most of it's gone on online. Uh, I just, I know the CFL is in desperate need for some financial support. They lost a ton of money, and they're a league that has always kind of operated on the edge in terms of surviving financially. And mind you, they've always found a way to survive. And the business model, you talk about the business model, yes, uh, after the pandemic, for sure, they needed to reassess it to dig themselves out of the hole. But I also look back to 2019, the Grey Cup, uh, when the Bombers beat Hamilton. There was no talk about the league being in any trouble at that time. You know, attendance was a problem in Toronto, as it has been for a couple of decades. B.C. was having some issues, but uh, with new ownership there, I think we all felt they would be able to rebound montreal looked like the fans were coming back and they had new owners the other teams were doing quite well uh, you know i think four or five of them making small profits so the pandemic has changed everything it's just changed everything because the league doesn't add didn't have the resources to ride it out the way the nfl and the nhl have been able to do so that's created this crisis situation this financial crisis and where do they turn to to solve this and how they hooked up with the XFL, Christian. I don't know whether they approached them or whether The Rock and his gang approached the CFL. I don't know how that came about. That's never been revealed. But there are talks going on. I'm told that Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment in Toronto, which owns the Argos, is really pushing hard for some sort of amalgamation with the XFL. Somehow, the people at MLSE feel that something like this would put more fans in the stands in Toronto. Now, you'd have to explain to me how that would happen. I, I, I don't know, understand the rationale there. And the other thing that I, I've said all along is nobody's been able to demonstrate to me, this is just me now, I'm just one person speaking, this is my opinion, nobody's been able to demonstrate to me the path that a collaboration or a merger with the XFL, the path that would lead to more financial a better financial situation for the canadian football league you know and i hear this talk about wow there'd be a big tv contract in the u.s what well, does anybody really believe that like why would you think there'd be a big tv contract all the tv networks down there just threw huge money at the nfl uh, in, a, in a new uh, long-term deal with the national football league all these startup leagues in the u.s and there's been eight of them now i think to startup football leagues none of them have had big TV money and they've all had decent ratings early on and then the ratings just plummet. Uh, so I just don't... I fail to see a tangible connection with the XFL that would bring financial, uh, you know, profitability to the Canadian football. League. I just, nobody's been able to point that out to me yet, so that's where I stand on the whole thing. I could go on and on, Christian, as you can
0: uh-huh. probably tell. <laughs> uh huh. Well, my my thought on this, Bob, is that we don't know, and that's why you know you see all this talk on Twitter about oh, what's it all mean? What what's this? What's that? And we don't know, right? All the CFL did was say, hey guys, we're just going to talk. Hey, uh, bye. And right. I think maybe that's why some people are upset because the CFL has been so quiet for months and. I don't know if they owe people a plan that we all know is not going to be set in stone. I know they put out the schedule last fall that we all hoped would be able to happen, and we still hope there's a season. But uh, the fact that they haven't said anything, I know players are upset about that. But yeah. what can the CFL say other than we're trying, and we, we're we unlike any other league because we don't have that TV money. And it's hard to bubble when every team has – As many players as they have, right? I know the CPL had that bubble tournament in PEI last year, but a soccer team has so many fewer people on it than a football team does. Yeah. So it's just they're in a tough spot, and I I get both sides of the argument that people are annoyed with the CFL, and people are also, you know, giving them a pass. The problem is this is now year two, and we still haven't had a football game, so people are just. I think, Bob, people are just tired of waiting for football. That's, all, that's what it really is.
2: No, no, and it's important, Christian, that the CFL plays this year. It's critically important. I don't think in our world now they can afford to not have a season because out of sight, out of mind, right? And then the, the financial issues just multiply. Now, they will not play without fans in the stands. I thought at one point they were prepared to do that, maybe for two or three weeks into the season before things cleared up where they could put some people in the stands. But I'm told they will not play without fans in the stands. So the likelihood of them starting on time is very slim. Now, the players are frustrated. Sure, they are. Understandably that they're frustrated, but they also understand what's going on here. They'd like the CF. They'd like Randy Ambrosie to come out and say, okay, guys, here's the plan. We're going to start on June the 4th. We're going to play our first game June the 17th. Yeah, and on and on and on. Well, Randy Ambrosi would like to do that too, but he can't he can't because he he might be wrong there's just no way you can you know you can pick a date and and make sure you can follow it until you get more clarity on the whole covid thing all the teams do have a covid uh plan or a plan to deal with the testing and all the rest of it and it's very expensive but they're all in a position and they've I know a lot of them I know the bombers have presented it pre, presented their plan to their provincial health authorities And I think most of them have been approved. But again, they're still dependent on what happens in the next few weeks with the vaccinations and everything else. So it's a very frustrating time for everybody, no doubt about it, including Randy Ambrosi and all the people who run the teams in the Canadian Football League. And I think the reason Ambrosi hasn't come out and spoken more first about the start of the season is because all he can say, Christian, is, you know what, folks, we're still not sure when we can start. And they'd love him to be more definite, but he just can't. And I, I, you know, I would like to think more people understand that. Uh read the XFL; he's not prepared to make any comments about that now because that's a real, boy, that's a real uh, political football out. When there's people who think it's probably not a bad idea, but I, I guarantee you, there's just as many, and maybe more, who would be furious at the loss, and these are loyalists, CFL loyalists, people who care about the four downs and the size of the field and the rouge and the 12 players on the field and every team has to have 21 Canadians. There are thousands of fans in this country, maybe maybe millions who care about that. And so, boy, that's a minefield for Randy Ambrosi to, to be careful about too. So lo- a lot going on, but n- not much of it good right now.
0: A lot going on, but also like nothing going on all at the same yeah. time. It's, yeah, it's that's right. And- at least people were talking about the CFL. Uh, the, that's, I guess, a positive. But again, well, they are there's... on
2: Twitter, but uh, again, I don't see a lot of reporting uh, what I call traditional media. I don't see that. But true. there are people, for sure, uh, on the street corner and on Twitter and, and everywhere else. Yeah, there's a lot of chatter, and it's specifically a lot of it about this XFL talk, but also about when the season might start. And so, I think we'll... It, look, what's today? April the 13th. Mm-hmm. I believe that by the very latest the end of the month the commissioner will say something about kind of where things are headed and uh, i know wade miller has told me more than once we just need more people to get vaccinated we need the vaccinations to happen faster Talk because to the government exactly and it's, <laughs> you, there's nothing you can do about that is there
0: no all right well COVID's still in charge bob appreciate your time tonight and we'll uh, have you on hopefully with actually stuff to, to substantive to talk about like plans for a season
2: soon i hope so anytime mr omel anytime it's my pleasure
0: well thank you very much for listening to the cjob sports show podcast if you like what you heard guess what you can hear more every weeknight on cjob from 6 30 to 9 p.m of course that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all
1: So sad that we should come to this. We try to warn you the thing. You may not share our intellect, which might explain